Hey, everybody. On today's episode of the People of Packaging podcast, I am joined by Holly Arbuckle. She is with Singing Pastures. We break down things like regenerative agriculture and her snack sticks and uh, all sorts of great things, where you can buy her products. She has an incredible story. You do not want to miss this episode. SpecRite allows us to centralize our spec data in an easy-to-use and searchable platform, puts everyone on the same page with up-to-date information, and helps us to adapt quickly to business needs and sustainability reporting. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Myers, which is where I work my day job and coincidentally is the most sustainable printing company in the country. Myers is a third generation family business on a mission to create a sustainable future for people, products, and our planet. To learn more, click the link down below in the show notes. Did you know that 89% of consumers say they've stopped buying from a brand after just one bad buying experience? Well, that's where Label comes in. Label Protect is a brand first, buyer focused protection solution that's uniquely designed to make shipping issues a thing of the past. Instead of leaving your buying experience to chance, you can give your customers peace of mind at checkout, knowing their orders are 100% covered from loss theft, damage, and more. And with a 98% claim approval rate, 24-hour resolution time, and best-in-class revenue share, Label reduces customer support overhead, protects your bottom line, increases profits, and most importantly, Label keeps your customers coming back for more. So whether you ship 100 orders a month or 100,000, it's time to make the final mile part of your competitive advantage with Label. L-A-B-L-P-X dot com, or just click the link down in the show notes. Hey, everybody. I am excited to be joined here all the way from a state that I have yet to visit, um, but maybe this will be a good enough and wonderful enough conversation that I'll be like, I'm booking my first flight that I can to Maine. Um, it would actually be, a, am sure, a really beautiful time at the time of this recording, uh, it's the. I'm guessing it's the end of fall in Maine. Is that would that be accurate, or okay. the leaves still we're changing? Just, we're just past peak for our foliage, but it's still beautiful today. Cold, but beautiful. Uh, got to I got to make it out there. Well, that voice you heard is Holly Arbuckle, and she is the co-founder at Singing Pastures. And uh, this is going to be a different podcast than we've had because we're going to talk about. Um, regenerative, regenerative agriculture and food systems. Uh, but we also get uh, this unique perspective as not only somebody who runs and, and operates a farm, but also runs and operates a product. And so we're going to dig into kind of what it is that she does and um, and also the, the importance of packaging and the role that packaging plays across the entire food system. So I think it's going to be a great conversation, Holly. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. For sure. So uh, I, I like to, maybe I'm going to maybe mix things up here for one quick second, because I feel like I, I do a disservice to the people that I'm uh, that I'm interviewing. I'll put this at the end, but let's start off with uh, what, how do, how do people buy your products? Um, so I think we put it at the end and I don't know how many people get to the end, but you've got some really incredible products that we're going to be talking about. So why don't we start off with the plug and then I'll revisit the plug at the end? Because um, well, I love for people to be able to kind 
kind of know at the beginning and by the way you can always click on the show notes to see like the the website or whatever it is but how would people buy your products and we're getting i want to get into your story well that's wonderful and that's very generous of you thank you so the direct way is our website just like everybody else so we're singingpastures.com p-a-s-t-u-r-e-s like grass right and so that is the primary way but we're also selling on thrive market misfits market imperfect foods and then beyond that it's a variety of you know independent stores in new england and in the coming year we're going to be doing a regional launch into grocery in the new england area that's awesome well um i'll make sure to we'll repeat that at the end so uh, that's awesome everyone go check out singingpastures.com if, if you don't get anything from this go get yourself some some great tasting meat so holly why don't you do a quick introduction on how you ended up in uh in regenerative agriculture and um a little bit of your story that would be awesome so i married into farming my husband is a ninth generation farmer and he grew up on a traditional conventional corn soy farm in the midwest in illinois and very sadly his father got parkinson's when his father was in his late 40s and it was around that time that my husband realized, or at least hypothesized, that it was because there was a lot of chemical spraying. So by the time he went to college, he decided to focus on sustainable agriculture when he was in college. And then he went on and did a bunch of like raft guiding adventures. But by the time we met and decided that he wanted to settle down and farm and I was gonna work with him on this project, um, the decision was solid to do sustainable agriculture culture, right? So we were doing a variety of different types and doing the farmer's market restaurant scene. And then we started studying with people like Joel Salatin, who's Polyface Farm in Virginia, the Savory Institute, Soil Health Consultants, people that were taking it one step further from sustainable to regenerative. So I want to do a quick definition of what I mean when I, yeah. I say that. Sustainable, if you think about it, means I want it to stay like it is, right? So if you think wow. even about your relationships, you don't necessarily want a sustainable relationship that's just like kind of here. You want it to be regenerative. You want it to always be getting better, right? So that's what we're thinking about when we think about soil. I'm very sorry. We're doing this from home and um, take care of the dogs and, and move them along. So, so no worries. sorry about that. So regenerative is all about, you know, improving things over time. So when it comes to soil, what we want is the soil to be healthier and healthier. And unfortunately, what's happened is that in this country, our soil and around the world, the soil has been degrading and that creates all kinds of problems, which I can get into in a minute. But we started out farming and then we did the local farmer's market thing. And then about 2016, 2017, we decided to start our own brand with kind of the idea that you can make more money selling uh, beer than you can hops. Mm. Right. So got we've it. got into the value added producer, you know, and then that's been a journey ever since. And our I primary, I'm sorry, our no, primary, our primary product line is Rome stick. So it's a pasture raised pork snack stick. And then we've also launched a line of pasture raised pork salami. So there's a lot of grass fed beef out there but there wasn't very much pasture-raised pork. So that's how we started getting into that niche. Got it. I was trying to look up um, while you were talking because I want to um, I, I get into this uh, 
this idea of of regenerative um agriculture this is actually really fascinating to me i i had read a book and i can't remember the name of it about maybe it was a podcast i think i actually listened to a podcast about okay. um soil degradation and why what you're describing isn't enough that if we want to if we want to have you know the the right kinds of food to feed our growing population it's not enough for us to just try to sustain where we're at we actually have to figure out ways to make better soil and you know they had they had their different hypothesis on what it was what it would be to take that so i, I think this is a fact obviously this has maybe a little bit to do with packaging but just a lot to do with with food systems talk me through what what does that look like to have regenerative soil and and you know even even maybe stressing why is this important i'm sure this is a really passionate topic that for yeah, you yeah and and i think that it's really important that people understand that with soil for a very long time even in soil science we got it wrong we looked at the physical structure of the soil we looked at the chemical structure of the soil but we didn't talk about the biology of the soil so adam you and i are both old enough that there was a time when no one talked about gut health right and now everybody talks about gut health and the gut-brain axis. So the same is true for soil. It is the biology of the soil. You want a healthy, living microbiome in the soil. So if we just start there, like healthy soil, like a tablespoon of healthy soil will have more living organisms than there are humans on Earth. Like that is mind-blowing and incredible. So That's there's a crazy. whole universe down there. And and then people go, well, why? Why does that matter to me? And I think that's to what you're pointing to. And it matters for a lot of reasons. So for one, uh, soil that doesn't have life in it is dead. So that's where it's kind of collapsed and it's just this crust. And, and dead soil, let's call it dirt, right? When it rains, it'll just hit and run off. So what do you get? You get flooding. Okay, let's say you know, if it's hitting and running off because it's dead, it's not sinking in and being stored for later. So you have increased risk of drought. With healthy soil, on the other hand, you have spongy soil, so it's absorbing water. So it, there are those benefits and decreased erosion that I just talked about. But then also it captures carbon because we wanna take carbon out of the atmosphere where we don't want it and stuff it in the ground as uh, soil organic matter where we do want it. And then another big, so sequestering carbon, great idea, right? In a way that nature has done for, you know, however long, you know, we've been around. And then in addition to that, it makes the food healthier, like by a lot. So I'm going to break this down really fast. But when you have healthy soil, you have things like fungi that are out there and they can break down minerals, right? And get them out of rocks. And then you have the plant and the plant, if we go back to high school biology is doing photosynthesis, it's bringing, turning sunlight into sugar, which is amazing, right? And it has this sugary substance. And basically what they do is trade, like the plant will say, hey, fungi, here's some sugar. And the fungi will say like, hey, I've got some minerals, right? So there's an exchange going on. Those minerals go into the plant and then it goes into the food that we eat. Or in the case of meat, the minerals are in the plant and then there's a herbivore that eats the plant and then we eat that. So it goes up the food chain. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's a ton of research being done, but if, if you had no other reason to say, why should I be interested in this? It's because you want your food to be nutrient dense and that depends on the kind of soil that it was grown in. And right now, even an apple, I think has something like, you know, 
a lot less minerals and nutrients than it did even 20, 40 years ago. So we're seeing this across the board. And it's and we have a simple, practical solution, which is if you have healthy land, you're going to have healthy food. That's great. I that's it's such a it's such a succinct way of of putting it. And, you know, I would imagine from a from a sustainability and a packaging perspective, if I could even go, you know, kind of take this a little bit further, where if we don't have mineral dense, you know, fruits and vegetables and meats, right, if they're if, if we're not getting them from there, then what's happening is we're having deficiencies. And so then we need to create those minerals in ways that we wouldn't have to create them through, you know, supplements and things like that. Right. Um, which is, you know, it's more packaging, it's more products, it's more carbon, it's more energy um, that we could just get from a, from a, from, from a better, better agriculture, from eating better food. And maybe we wouldn't necessarily need to go and, and augment our diet. Right. Right. Uh, with, with all this other stuff. So, um, that's actually a, that was a fun, like thought thread for me that I've never, I've actually never had before. Maybe people are like, I have this all the time. Well, I hadn't. So <laughs> give me a break. Uh, well, so I'm, I'm happy you're able the to cost in the healthcare that. industry. I didn't mean to cut you off on it, but just the cost in the healthcare industry, 100%. right? Like we want healthy people that can live their full lives. We don't want people that are broken down and sick all the time and they don't understand. And it's just a lot harder to get the nutrition you need from the food that's out there today. And, and there's all kinds of problems with food, like cost and just having enough of it and things like that. It's complicated. But I think that you talk about packaging, your viewers are interested in that, but we're also looking at whole regenerative food systems. Like how do we continue to push? We don't have a, a silver bullet, but we need silver buckshot, right? We need a lot of solutions to get the whole food system to continue to push that edge and see what can we do better. And some of it is looking to the past, like what was the soil like when it was healthy? How do we get back there? Got it. Let me ask you a question about packaging as you're describing this kind of regenerative um, food system. So yeah. um, there's there's a, obviously there's there's use of of plastics because these polymers have, incredible ability to you know keep food shelf stable and and i i know we we can come back to that because i do want to i want to talk about that with your product um yeah. and there, there's been a push to say like well we need to make these these polymers compostable um so that we can return them back to the earth right this is the uh, this is something that i hear often but what i don't know about at per what you're saying is like do you see a situation in where a you know like a a, a thing that has been turned into plastic to stop, you know, uh, water and to stop oxygen from interacting right. with the product, that thing breaks down into something. Is there, I, I'd be curious to know if there kind of think about, is there a way in which that contributes to regenerative soil health? Cause what I have heard is from composters at, in its current state, it's like, yeah, not so much. We don't really want, we don't really want the plastics that could theoretically break down, but they don't actually help our, our compost. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you, have you ever gone down that? I, I know that wasn't like a pre-planned question or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I haven't. So I think that if I were, that's above my pay grade, but I can sure. give a referral. So I can give a couple. So Paul Stamets, who's like the mushroom fungi expert, he does a podcast. I think he'd also did something for a Ted talk with like how mushrooms can save the world. And he's serious. 
like he's talking about how different kinds of fungi, because the mushroom, of course, is just the reproductive body. The living, you know, part is all under not underneath the ground, the organism, let's say. So fungi can, you know, they have fungi that they found that can break down plastics, that can break down like chemicals, like incredible things. So I think mm -hmm. that we need to continue to look at that. Um, and for, for all of this, that is something that's worth pursuing. I love the idea of plastic that could break down and be compostable. You know, that technology is not caught up to where we are right now, you right. know? And so I, the really hard thing is that, you know, we've worked in also like, uh, organic CSA farmer's market type deals and plastic is everywhere. Even when you can't see it, like there is, you know, the farmers, uh, if they're doing organic vegetables, you use sheets of black plastic, right? To, to be able to keep the weeds down and not spray, you know, and that's a lot of plastic. Like I've seen these videos where people go to the store and they leave all the plastic right at the grocery store and they won't take it home from you. And it's like, yeah, but how did your food get to that point that it was protected, right? Like it's done, the plastic's done like 20% of the work. So I think that's a huge issue. It's one I want people to tackle, and I'm not going to be the best person to talk about that. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. We, but I think we're aware of it, and I think that we shouldn't underestimate. Like when I go back to those soil organisms, like like the fungi that I was talking about, I wouldn't underestimate the, the, our ability to find the answers in nature. Yeah. You know, and that it doesn't always have to be some brand new thing that's tech that is proprietary and patentable, which are the solutions we seem to like to go for. Like sometimes there are solutions there that are common sense that we just need to run down that road a bit. And that's what the soil health is like. A lot of the solutions are actually quite simple, you know, and I think that they're worth investigating. If your viewer, if your listeners are interested, there's a really good documentary called Kiss the Ground. And then the follow up one is called Common Ground. And I know Kiss the Ground you can find on Netflix. But if you want to learn more about soil health, I would recommend those two. Um, docs and they're not super depressing. That's the other thing. Like they're actually inspiring and like, you know, here are some solutions. Cause I think we've done enough of like looking at our feet and saying we're all doomed. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'll, I'll make sure to, to reference those as well, uh, down, down in the show notes of this. Cause I, I love, I love a good, um, Ted talk. I love a good podcast and I love a good documentary. So that's great. Um, and you know, to, to your point, um, about i think it's 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 a it's a great point to go follow especially in the the mushroom mycelium we're seeing a lot mm -hmm. of that in packaging right now yes. and i'm i'm super i'm super hopeful there so let's pivot here to your to your products um so you know i know you said at the beginning people can go buy you have a you have a meat stick which i'm guessing the the animals are fed from the agriculture that you grow is that a safe assumption that is a safe assumption. So it's our farm and other farms with similar practices. So I want to talk just very briefly about the meat. Like a lot of times people talk about uh, cows, our focus is pigs. So pigs do not just eat grass. Our pigs do eat grass, but they also ha eat non-GMO grain. But I just want to talk a little bit about the process and what makes yeah. it different. So the best way to think about it is like, you know, in North America, there were bison, right, that were moving across the plains historically. So you have, they also get called buffalo, but they're bison. So you have these large groups of animals that would eat 
and they poop and they pee and it all goes into the soil. And then here's the important part, they move on to the next, next place. So there is a relationship where the bison need the grass, right, to survive, but also the grass needs the bison. Like that's where you're getting all of the fertilization and that short-term impact. And then there's a lot of rest where the plant has an opportunity to re-sprout and regrow. It actually makes the plant green longer, okay? And here's mm -hmm. what I mean by that. Like grass of its own will start to put on a seed head and it'll be get geriatric, right? But if you eat it, if an animal eats it, then it kind of restarts the system, right? And so it's going to start growing again, right? And it's going to stay green longer. And that all that time is when it's going through that photosynthesis, it's drawing out that carbon and putting it into the soil. So all of this is a really elegant design as opposed to putting animals in one small contained spot and just leaving them there, right? This, so this is the way we feed the soil. This is one way that we feed the soil. So what we do on our farm and all our other farms we work with is we have animals and livestock that are constantly moving. It's like they're going on camping trips. And we can do this because we have electric fence that's portable, but they go from one pasture to the next. But you can see on our farm, our farm that we bought here in Maine was an overgrazed dairy farm. The grass was in terrible condition. The soil was in terrible condition. But through using these regenerative agriculture principles where we have animals, we, we raise pigs and we move them. We've also had cows and sheep. We've had other people on our farm. But the grass and the, and the health of the soil has totally rebounded. Like you can see a dramatic difference even in five years. And we can prove that also with our grassland bird population, because when the soil is healthier, then there's more insects, then there are more grassland birds. And we're doing monitoring our farm and the grassland bird population is like doubled or tripled. You know, and some of these birds, like there's a bird called a bobolink, which is on the watch list. That's one step below the endangered species. Like we have, we had more baby bobolinks on this farm last year than we did pigs. You know, there's, it's, it's one of the larger bobolink nesting areas in the state right now. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that are exciting because it didn't take a thousand years, right? We're talking about five years. So I got a little off topic there. I told you guys, I, no, I get excited about all this stuff. I'm like, I'm so fascinated by all of this. And, and even just the way in which you can track the data that, you know, the connection to like good soil health, which is like leading to good, you know, healthy meat that can, you know, nourish the, the, the human body that one of the leading indicators of that is how many bobolink birds are on. I mean, it's just like, it's so fascinating. Right. Um, the, the whole thing. So, um, so you, so you primarily focused on, on pork products. Um, you've seen this regeneration of a farm. Um, yes. you've got, you've got birds that are there. It's, it's great. Um, and then packaging comes in at the at the tail end of this. And I always say packaging is like this annoying necessity um, because it, you, you've got to be able you've done all of this hard work of restoring the ground and getting good grass and moving, moving the 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 pigs around and. Their bodies to feed their bodies and that point from where the product is made to when it's consumed is where packaging shines. Um, mm -hmm. And I think people lose sight of that, right? I really think yeah. that it's like, 
like we were talking before the call, if packaging doesn't do its job, then all of that work just means that now you have something that you've lost money on because you can't sell it and you got to throw it out. And now you right. got to figure out where to throw it out. And you got to, you know, now, now you have a whole other process that you have to go through to, to destroy a product that was meant to be consumed to nourish somebody. So um, how was that like in building out your packaging strategy, knowing that you have, you have this, this incredible regenerative farm um, that is producing this really high quality meat. What was it like in finding the packaging to deliver on that, on not only the product, but also the brand that you've developed um, mm -hmm. to, to go, you know, now through singingpastures.com and Thrive Market and the like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really good point. And we're a shelf stable meat product. So, you know, it's like a healthy version of a Slim Jim, right? And, and, we knew that we were going to have to have packaging that keeps out air because that's part of what keeps it shelf stable. So our crafting, our process is we use fermentation and slow smoking. So we start out, we're using traditional methods of preservation instead of like a lot of the snack sticks out there use encapsulated citric acid, which has a hydrogenated oil, which has trans fats in it. Um, but people don't realize it because they're, they don't list it on the nutrient deck. Cause if you have less than one gram of trans fat, you don't have to list it. But to your point, you start, we're trying to start out with better meat and then we're using better, more expensive ways to preserve it that are more traditional because it's healthier for you. And I think it tastes a lot better. There's a difference in the taste. So we need to be able to protect it. So when we were making decisions, I mean, we are limited by what our co-packers can do. Because sure. we have to go to a USDA plant, right? Um, so I think that, you know, we're thoughtful about like trying to find places that don't use BPA and things like that. Um, and I'm encouraged by the next generation of some of the things you're talking about, where maybe we can find other better biodegradable forms of plastic. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what the top film is. And then, you know, beyond that, we were just looking at our cartons and things. And I think for us, the packaging is an opportunity to tell the story, you know? So even um, when you look at like the meat aisle, you know, there are a lot of very macho brands and a lot of male names, you know, like Jacks and, you know, Chomps and things that are like, I'm going to get you, I'm going to eat you. Right. And they're like, raw. And it turns out that women eat meat too. And in fact, we do most of the shopping. So one of the things that I am interested in is how do we use our packaging to tell the story that, um, you know, that meat is not necessarily the enemy. And I know I totally respect people's choices, but you can produce better meat that is, you know, using these plant-animal interactions and relationships and improve soil, improve land health, you know. And, and in fact, if you took animals out of the equation, you know, they need each other. It's like the bee needs the flower and the flower needs the bee. If you retract animals from the situation, even you can't grow food. I mean, even your organic produce, if you don't have, you know, animal like fertilizer, you, that's how they do it organically is they use it often from factory farms, but that's how they grow food. If you're not doing that, you're using something called synthetic nitrogen, which is another whole issue because, you know, it's synthetic and it can end up in the waterways. And that's where we get into like fish kills and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're trying to tell the story of like, 
let's move, let's continually push the needle in the right direction. Better meat, better for you, better uh, for the land. And our packaging becomes a place to tell the story. Even our name, Singing Pastures, like that comes from this idea that on any piece of land, like on our farm, there are many voices, right? So there are the people here, they're the domesticated animals, but we also share this land with osprey and eagles and uh, beaver and, you know, turtles and coyotes, right? And they each sing their own song. And so all of those things come together like an orchestra. And to me, like when something looks and feels beautiful, that's probably a good indication that it's better for you, you know? Right. And our packaging is the place where we have an opportunity to share that. So we're, you know, I, I've thought a lot about packaging in terms of the marketing and the telling of our story. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to uh, to to go online and and pick some up. So everyone, join me in singing together in this beautiful symphony. And you can go to singingpastures.com and uh, and and I it, it, we can. It, it, I guess I should have asked this before. There is a direct to consumer thing where if I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, I can go buy some and it'll get shipped to me. Is this correct? Absolutely, and we have subscriptions okay. and all of that. Perfect. I, I assume so, but you know what happens when you assume. Uh, right. So I'm I'm excited to I'm excited to check it out. And um, you know, to me, the whole story here is you know, packaging is a small part. It's it's an important part of the journey, but it's a small part, right? So you know, going and finding brands that are are doing the best thing that they can um, at at every point of the process. I mean, clearly you are you have educated yourself. You're passionate about it. Um, and supporting brands that are doing that um, and voting with your dollar is a really big step in helping us get to where we need to get to. Like, I'm not going to go buy a farm uh, right. but by extension of how I spend my money. I am saying I support people who farm in a certain way. And I've never actually thought really like dug in and thought about that. So for me, this is an opportunity to to think through that. And then from a packaging perspective, saying, you know, how do we deliver on that promise and how do we deliver on that product uh, to make sure that it gets to the right to the right people um, and to as many people as possible. So I'm excited to try it out. I'm super grateful that you came on uh, on my my podcast. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had this conversation. And so it was it was a fascinating conversation. I hope it's one that people really dig into. Go check out some Netflix uh, documentaries, Kiss the Ground and Common Ground. Uh, go is it Paul Stamets, uh, yes. the mushroom guy, the mushroom guy, uh, mushroom saving the world, and also uh, again to, at singingpastures.com. Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can reconnect with you here in the future and uh, hear about all the great things you're continuing to do. Thank you, and, and you're welcome to come to the farm anytime, and we'll give you uh, bacon and lobster. Okay, so there's the hook. Well, that is a wrap for the People of Packaging podcast. Hey, if you want some more packaging content, you can go pick up the book my wife and I wrote, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation, available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all sorts of places. And also, I want for you to go and follow my friends, Corey Connors. He hosts Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. It is incredible, and it is wonderful. You can also go check out Avelio Matos' podcast, Packaging Unboxed, and you you can check out the three of us every single Monday morning, 8.30 Mountain Time on LinkedIn, where we host the Packaging Today Show. 
It is hilarious, and packaging is only half the story. So go check it out.